0: So the last several weeks, um, we've been talking about the church, and we kind of wrapped up that study the last time that we were here together, Um, but today I want us to kind of step into not a completely separate study or consideration, but kind of a more focused look Than what we've been looking at as of as of late. Um, I want us to start by looking in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 27, 25 through 27. This is not something new. We've actually we looked at this when we were talking about how Scripture speaks of um, the church as being the bride of Christ. I want us to pay attention to uh, something that he something that's said in this text here. That we ought to consider when we are considering um, what it is when we're looking at a church and we consider, is this church healthy? Um, uh, Some things that we should consider as we think about this, like, should we expect that the church is perfect? No, No. right? Um, There's not been a church that has existed from the time of the apostles to today, that in every aspect that we're going to mention today finds themselves um, perfect and without need for growth. So what we're not talking about when we're talking about when we are talking about a healthy church is a perfect church, right? There you will you will not find one. If you move from Carmel to another to another body of believers. Um, expecting that it will be perfect there. What you will find is perhaps there are areas that they are stronger in than we are here. Perhaps there are areas we need to be working on here that another church is better at. Right? That's that's a real possibility. But what you're going to find when you go to another place and, and you uh, embed yourself in that body of believers is that, every church is in need of growing. Even healthy churches, right? Even healthy churches are in need of spiritual growth and edification. The the reality is, is what we're going to read here is something that Christ is doing, um, that he's been doing, and that he himself ultimately um, is the one who uh, finishes and perfects his work. So as we kind of dig into this this morning. That's what I want us to consider, and this is kind of why I wanted to circle back around to Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 25 through 27. So, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself The first thing that I want us to consider when we consider what it means to be a healthy church this morning is I want us to consider where it is as believers and as groups of believers that we find ourselves standing currently. Okay? So just as individually, just as an individual, you find yourself standing before a holy God, if you were a believer, perfect and complete in the work of Christ. You stand in His completed work, though there's work that needs to be done in you. Likewise, we as a body of believers, as his bride, stand in that same reality where there's stuff that needs to be worked out in us today, but we are his bride. And He sees us in the work that He's doing in us. And He is perfect and complete. And He will perfectly complete the work that He's doing in us. So a couple of things. Um, One, like I want us to think about even as as we consider um, the church itself, when we consider are we healthy, our eyes had better not divert from Christ in all of our considerations here. Because if we, if, if we think in any way that we are going to grow more healthy, more vibrant, more like close and, and holy to, to God as a body of believers, if any of those ideas that we would raise um, don't point each and every individual in the church directly to Christ, then we'd better be very weary of those things, right? So that He might sanctify her, verse 26, that who might sanctify her? Who's working to sanctify the church? This is Christ. And how did He do this? If we look back at the end of verse 25, He gave Himself up for her. Christ gave Himself up for us as the bride. um, And He's cleansed us by the washing of water. Or he's, He's cleansed us, so speaking past tense here um, but we ultimately see how he's doing this throughout time and he's doing this by the washing of water with the word so how is it what should be first and foremost on our minds as a church when we consider are we healthy and vibrant are we are we working in that direction are we striving towards perfection knowing that only Christ can work that perfection in us. The way that we do that is we consider, first, where does the Word fit? Where does God's Word itself fit amongst us as believers? Because it is by the Word that we will find ourselves washed. So ultimately, um, one of the things that we're going to see when we start considering what A healthy church looks like um, we're going to start by considering um, its position biblically like does it cherish the doctrine that is found in the word of God right does it consider with high esteem God's word above every other thing that's, that's going to be something that we see first because ultimately what we what we see in Scripture is that you are made more holy by the Holy Spirit working in you and the Holy Spirit works in you first and foremost through the Word of God. That is how you hear from Him. That is how you hear from Him. You pray and your prayers are going to be effective if and only if you're praying in accordance with the word if you pray for riches and riches here's here's that if you are rich okay if you find yourself wealthy um, it's one of those more money more problems types of scenarios okay so like be careful what you wish for in that regard Um, It will not necessarily make your life easier in all respects. Um, So is God's first consideration for you if you're praying, and this is how we align our prayers with the Word, if you're you're praying for financial prosperity with zero consideration about your spiritual well-being, what is it if you gain the world and lose yourself? This is what Scripture would say to us, right? So how do we align our prayers so that our prayers are effective? We align them with the Word of God. So having a clear understanding about God's Word is fundamental to us being a healthy and vibrant church, right? We have to be careful when we consider because here's the danger. We consider what it means to be healthy and typically, the, I'm going to say like the way that I would tend, and I would guess that y'all are similar to me, that your fleshly tendencies are similar to my fleshly tendencies, that when you consider what a healthy church looks like, it's usually big, right? Right? It's usually big. Okay, now I want to consider, like, Pakistan and and the work that God has been doing in Pakistan over the last couple of years. There are likely single churches in the United States that would be unhealthy in their overall state that are bigger than the growth that's been seen in the last two years. Just the numbers there alone would be bigger than the number of individuals who've been saved in Pakistan over the last couple of years when in reality the move that's been taking place in this what we would consider small group has been... um, unfathomable in the reality of what's taking place there so like our tendency we look towards like is it like is there a bunch of happy-looking people is there a bunch of numbers is it a big church can they buy things and and our tendency is to look at that and that is healthy right so then we look at where we are and we map our direction towards that vibrant like living church and what do we say well we have this amount of numbers in our church and If we want to look like a growing church, then we need to move in this direction. And and what do we need to do to do that, right? And if the things that we set in place for ourselves as a body of believers is anything other than having our eyes fixed on Christ, setting Him first and foremost in our hearts, then we may be aiming for a goal that is not the goal that He has for us. And we need to be very, 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 very careful when we... So when we consider the paths that we want to look at as a body of believers for growth, we need to consider what we mean when we say growth. You hear me? You hear me? I've been teaching to roughly the same number of people, sometimes less, sometimes more, sometimes dramatically less, for the last 15 years. 20 years. If I were basing the success of my own personal ministry within the church off of numbers, then I would have failed miserably. I don't consider myself having failed miserably. I don't. Because I see faces that I've seen for years that have been faithful, and I say, Lord, let me help work in that. Help give me help me to use my gifts so that they can grow confident in their walk, so that they can be encouraged in their life, so that they can go out into their workplaces and be faithful to you there. And if it's one or two, that's fine. That's fine. Because here's the reality for anyone looking for for numbers okay here's the here's how I want you I want you to consider this is how I consider it myself um, is that if I can affect a single believer truly and deeply then in eternity there will be individuals lives affected because of that one, individual that could I could not fathom the number I would rather I would rather my children your children be faithful for decades raising their children to be faithful for decades so that for the rest of my life I see my kids your kids their kids continuing this work I would rather that, then 500 new faces. Because in eternity, if we can work like that, I don't see it so I don't grow haughty. Right? Because the reality is, is if next week there wasn't a place for you to sit, that affects me differently. As a human, right? You know how this works. If like, it must have been good last week, I need to try to figure out whatever I did then and try to replicate that. Right, like that's the tendency that we have. And that's that's dangerous for me. And I recognize that. We tend to not recognize that. So so when we say like man, if we could get five thousand, I can't know five thousand people. <laughs> it's it takes a lot of energy for me to know people. Right? So like 5,000, that's a number that like it would sound good on paper, but the ability for me to affect them genuinely, personally for long periods of time would be diminished by the sheer dividing of energy amongst them, right? So So we need to consider, when we consider what it means to be healthy and vibrant, what do we mean by that? I'm thinking this is the way that I'm thinking. I'm thinking way beyond the years that I have here. And I'm saying you add up any like momentary moment of like we made this thing look really good, so a lot of people came for a moment and then give it a decade till the numbers fall down and it looks like a normal everyday place or they split because of strife because the doctrine of God, like the doctrine of scripture was not Poured into them. And what you can see is that this, these, in, these inflations that tend to be with the way that we look at health and growth, they don't last the test of time oftentimes. What does last the test of time, what has brought the gospel to you and I, truly, truly, is not like moments of explosive growth, but faithful consistency to God's call on our lives from generation to generation to generation, most of whom you don't know their name. You don't know their name. That's okay. Because it wasn't their name that they were trying to make great. Right? It was Christ alone. And when Christ alone is exalted, then you see the work of the church... But not necessarily the individual members of the church. Okay, so we're going to be looking today, and we probably won't. F- we'll see. Maybe we finish. <laughs> probably not. Okay, I'm going to list for you, and we're probably not going to be able to go through all of these in the same kind of um, in the same kind of detail. I would encourage you to go to the systematic theology book, um, Wayne Grudem's, if you have it. Just go to the chapter that he calls—I think he's calling it—purity um, and unity. I think purity and unity within the church. There's a section there where he lists out 12 items. I'm going to read them kind of verbatim. We're going to look into some of them today. Um, I think that he does a really good job when he's when he's listing this out. And 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 I'm positioning this lesson and this study as like marks of a healthy church. Um, he in in that chapter that he's laid some of these things out. Um, he sets it he sets it up as just kind of a spectrum of the true church, and then ultimately like purity and different churches in different areas falling in different like uh, along this along this kind of gradient, um, none reaching perfection, but um, all should be striving for perfection. So here are some of the things that he kind of listed out. And I thought this is a pretty good. This is a pretty good thing. The, I'm going to start with what he has as his last item, because um, I think ultimately this is probably like um, this is foundational. Um, so the last thing that he lists is love for Christ. Um, marks of a marks of a healthy church. I think that um, the church's love for Christ um, is central and um, and out above all things. I think. Second to that, um, we find their love for His Word and what His Word has to teach, um, being being there with it. How do you know Jesus? How do you know Jesus? Tell me. Can somebody tell me? How do you know Jesus? Hmm? The The Word. The Word. How do you... So, the Word, the Spirit, Yes how do we know that what we because it tends to be when we say when we say the spirit and this is true because when you read the word the spirit speaks to you right but here's what we will do is we will disconnect God's word and the spirit speaking to us through his word and we'll set the spirit as a separate as a separate working entity um, that you could not ever read your Bible and the Spirit's just going to tell you what to do. Right? My eight-year-old grandson asked me that question driving back and forth the other day. He said, how should he have you ever heard God speak? And I said, yes, any times." And he said, how do you know it's God? And I said, first of all, you need to... Will enlighten you to what the word means, but also he will remind you. Yeah, As he says, Will I said, you know, and I gave an example when I heard God just speak to me his promises. But I said, To know whether it's your voice, someone else's, this voice, is the yes, you must read his word. Son, this is this talking. is this is a a critically, if you're listening today and you're wondering how do you discern those things that you hear in your mind that could be, they could be the Spirit of God speaking to you, right? Urging you in a direction. Could be your flesh urging you. Could be external influences that have embedded themselves in your thoughts and your considerations of just the world and your worldview that leads you in particular directions, how do you discern? How do you know that it's the Spirit telling you this? You, yes. It, like the Spirit of God will not, cannot contradict Himself. He's inspired this Word. If you want to know if that urge, that spiritual feeling in your heart, in your mind is true and aligned. You cannot do it outside of the word of God. So it's fundamental that you love Jesus. You can't you can't love Jesus unless the spirit has called you to him. You can't. Like you can't truly love him unless he's called you to him, right? Unless he's breathed new life into you it is impossible scripture would tell us that no one seeks after god that no one it's it is absolute foolishness to consider that someone came back from the dead when people don't Not like this, not like what we claim, right? We're not talking about like your heart stopped for a moment and before your cells all died, they got you back. We're not talking about momentary resuscitation for which you'll find yourselves dying again. But we're talking about a man who died because he claimed to be God and then came back and has not died since. Okay? Who has not died since whose cells haven't grown old and decided to quit. This is something altogether different than what we can do, right? Altogether different. And we live in a miraculous time because you could potentially fall dead. Someone who has no clue about how your body works could walk out into the hallway and follow some simple instructions to apply this thing to your chest and potentially a dead person could come back for a moment. Not forever. <laughs> you will eventually die again. And there will be a time in which we cannot bring you back again. So what, we've ex- what we claim to be reality in the work of Christ on the cross, in the grave, in the resurrection, is something foolish. You don't believe that. That, like, As someone who believes that, I recognize that if it were not God working in me to call me to Him and then convince me of this time and time and time and time and time again, that I would laugh at all of you for believing that someone could come back from the dead and not die. Because it's foolish. So if you believe, if you love Him, He's called you to Him. Do you love Him? Do you cherish Him? Could you love him more? Could you cherish him more? Could you be more faithful? How do you learn to do these things? In his word. In his word. Let's go to um, and knowing that. here's So before we leave from Ephesians chapter 5, this is the reality that I want us to, to get. And I'm going to hammer this home again and again and again and again. The success of this work is not you dependent. Right? It does not depend first and foremost on you. It depends first and foremost on the one who promised that he would do these things. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So the work that he will complete in you is his work first and foremost... But miraculously part of the element of him doing this is sometimes he sends teachers, sometimes he sends preachers, sometimes he sends encouragers, sometimes he sends others within the church who have the who have the gift just to come up and be able to carry on conversations with some random person that they don't know deeply. He's working in you for you for his bride, the collective, the church. And he will not fail in doing this. So here, um, we're going to go next. If you want to go ahead and turn with me uh, to Colossians. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we'll, we'll look at verse 28 and 29. So go ahead, if you will, and and get, get there. Um, before I do that, I keep saying that I'm going to read this list that uh, is in this, and I've failed to do that three or four times at this point. Um, so I'm going, to go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So here are some, here are some um, things that Grudem has listed out here. I think this is a pretty good list um, that you could look at, and you could say this is not all-inclusive by any means, but it's a, it's a pretty good starting point for if you're wanting to consider what a healthy... Um, healthy church looks like, there are going to be elements of this that are found uh, throughout. So one, uh, biblical doctrine is going to be set uh, in high esteem. It's going to be kept in high regard, like loving God's word is going to be there. They're going to have a love for Christ that is um, otherworldly. They're going to have the proper use of sacraments. So like the Lord's Supper, an example of this, um, so like as we consider ourselves as a church, how do we place how do we place that? Um, we put like Christmas, for example, like we do a lot of stuff for Christmas. Um, and Christmas and the celebration of Christmas is not one of those sacraments. Um, so like considering like the Lord's Supper, for example, and, and um, do we do it often enough? Do we do it when we do it and, and esteem it high enough? Um, so that's another thing. Uh, proper use of church discipline—that one's a hard one to hear because we think that that's something that should never be done. Um, but we're going to we're going to see today that um, church discipline was something that was like the the apostles um, considered to be very important for kind of the life of. A church so uh, the another thing genuine worship do we worship God like is it is it a genuine thing and I'm talking about a particular style of worship right like you could do it with lights and flash and just like booming sound systems and that's one way you could do it and have no music at all like there are, there is a freedom that we have as believers to worship in a number of different ways, um, and no, there are ways that you could do it wrong, right? But for the most part, within the church, like all of the means of worship, like like there are elements that they could be they could be used and they could be effective, right? So, but is the worship genuine? Is the worship amongst the church? Like the body of Christ, there, um, is it a genuine worship? Uh, number, um, I, I'm, I've reordered, so I, I will, it would be bad if I said numbers because the numbers are off at this point. Um, another one effective prayer. When we pray, is it effective? Like, if we pray for the sick, if we pray for the lost, if we pray for one another, is our, is our prayer effective? Is our prayer life individually effective? Is our prayer life as a congregation effective? Um, is our witness effective? Like, are you going out into your workplaces? Are you going out into your co- community and sharing the gospel with those that you come in contact with? These are all areas that I want us to understand that we may, as a body of believers, some individuals, some members within the church may be better at certain things than others, but um, these things are things that probably shouldn't be lacking completely from amongst us, right? And, and, and even on an individual level, we ought to be considering um, the role that we might play um, in these things so don't think that witnessing is just something that's like something Dustin does and nobody else does right um, so do we have effective witness when you, when we go out into the community um, do we carry God's word um, effective fellowship um, you know if I'm going to be honest this is probably one of those things that like during the pandemic we've in some ways waned in this I can't tell you how encouraged that I was the other night when um, when we had the caroling and just hung out afterwards. Like it felt like, man, we need to do this. We need to do this more. So, like, do we find ourselves uh, fellowshipping together, um, seeking that as something that we should do? Um, another another thing listed is biblical church government. Like, is the church structured and organized? In a way that aligns with Scripture, um, is there spiritual power in ministry? Is another is another um, consideration when we consider it like um, the the various ministries that we choose to embark on. Um, is the Spirit moving in those things? And again, let us be careful not to say Spirit moving equals numbers growing, right? That's like Spirit moving equals you growing closer to Christ and perhaps numbers grow. That's not... we. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I'm saying that that, that, that tends to be a signal to us that's a, a false signal long-term. Um, so is there spiritual power in the things that we um, embark on as a church? Um, do we Does the church seek for individual, individual and personal holiness amongst the members? Like, do you... If you found out that I was living a life of blatant and open sin, would you expect more from me? As a body of believers, would you ex- would you expect me to to be shedding off sin and striving so amongst the church, what do we consider about one another's personal holiness? Is it something that you should you as individual members of the church desire me to live more holy or is it one of those things where it's like "What's well, your life you do what you will with it right like how should we consider one another's personal holiness our walks our collective walks um leading leading and, and guiding one another here um, another care for the poor do we have a care and concern for the poor um, amongst us um for the poor outside of the church? Is this something that we desire? Do we want to be effective? Like, here, here's an example. So, we kind of started at the beginning like, there's a way that you can pray for prosperity that is completely selfish, right? And y'all know what that looks like. Y'all know what that looks like. But at the same time, God can effectively use gifts of all kinds within the church to bless the church, to bless the community. So here's what I'm saying is that I don't think that the opposite of praying for wealth is praying to be impoverished, okay? That's not what I'm saying at all, right? There's a balance here. We ought to be seeking to use whatever it is that God has given us materially, is what I'm looking at here, to affect the world outside of us. Like it is a tool that we as a body of believers can leverage to get the gospel into places, right? Like I think about when we were when we were going every year to Honduras. And when we would go and we would take, perhaps you took $100, and you would go in and you would exchange the this $100 for $2,200. And you, you're, you're buying power simply by taking what would be not a little amount of money, but in no way is $100 does anybody consider you rich if you have it. Right, you can exchange it and leverage it. So there was a there was a realization that we had that like you could be poor here, and when they see you there, they don't see you as poor. They see you as an American. Even the poorest amongst us, we are not a wealthy church. But when we would go, there was this. Reality that they had about us that, that wasn't aligned with our reality of ourselves. Right? So understanding that. That's what I'm talking about when, when we look at like care for the poor. You may think that you're poor. You may think that you do not have much to give. Are you seeking to use it effectively? And as a body of believers... No matter how well off we are as a congregation, are we seeking to use what we have for those around us who are in need? So these are some of the things that I want us to consider. Um, We have a a few minutes left, so we're going to. Some of this we'll touch on next week. Oh, Oh, another another element that he he doesn't mention in that initial list, but he covers it separately. Um, and, and it's definitely worth calling out unity amongst the individual members of the church is something that is critically important. That does not mean we agree on everything or we agree on every direction that the church takes. That doesn't mean that we, um, that we align in our ideas perfectly um, amongst one another, but are we together? Right? Are we together? Do we see that we have a, a common end, a common goal that we are unified in striving towards, right? Do we want his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? Do we seek that the world knows him, that his name is made great? Like we should be, we should be unified. Uh, so Colossians chapter one, verse. 28. So Christ is seeking to sanctify us, to make us holy, to present Himself, um, to present us to Himself, His bride, without blemish. Uh, One of the ways that He does this is that He uses teachers and preachers. Um, Here He says, Him we proclaim. That's Christ we proclaim. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Okay, so as a teacher, what is my goal for you? What ought it be? That I present you mature in Christ. Dustin, Blake, what's the goal when you preach what's the ultimate goal for the bride of Christ to present them mature. that you present them mature so dustin is it acceptable in your mind is it acceptable that we as a body of believers remain immature what if I decide that i just i don't I don't care or concern myself with spending time in God's word. I'll put I'll put in a devotion, right? I get up every morning and I do like 10 minutes, you know? I'm but that's it. I'm not I'm not going to put I'm not going to spend hours like you spend in scripture. Don't have time for it. That thought should kill us. Should. That next verse he struggles with all Listen. God powerfully works. Listen. This is listen. Uh, read that next one. This is there's there's there, I I selected this one particularly for this for this reason. One, there ought to be in a healthy church the the laborers of this church laboring to present each and every one mature before Christ. There may be areas that I'm more mature than you. There may be areas that you're more mature than me. This is not a one-way thing, right? We labor together. We toil in this to present one another mature. We labor for this. He points this out in this very next verse. For this I toil. Okay. So perhaps you're a teacher, perhaps you're a preacher, perhaps you find yourself in your ministry toiling. Toiling is work, is work. And you did not sign up for this work. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you can make any part, and I'm scared of Yes. Yes. And least, and those are These the are jobs yes. that God has given us to. Yes. To minister to the body. Right? right? To minister to the body. And sometimes, you find sometimes it feels like holy. work. Sometimes it feels like work. Sometimes it feels like the highest of heights of, of like pleasure and enjoyment in this world. And other times it feels like your labor is unseen. Like, like no one sees the energy I put into this. Know this. Know this. Without question, you're not the only one. You will not be the last one. Every generation before us, there have been men and women toiling, toiling, working. Why did they continue in this work? They love they love Christ. They love his bride. They desire to present her to him without blemish. He's working in us. He's working in us. He's well, human like us. It was like, yeah. Care, you know, back yeah. Let us not let us not think that when Paul got like stepped foot into heaven, that Jesus was like, oh, you got perfect before you got here. Look at you. There's letters that he wrote that didn't ar- didn't didn't arrive in this book. <laughs> okay. There are things that he wrote that it's like that ain't the Holy Spirit right there. <laughs> That's not going to be in the canon. Just FYI. <laughs> yes yes okay so so paul understood it you if you if you if you live amongst the bride of Christ long enough will understand the toil of working for the holiness of the church for this I toil in case you didn't know what toil means um, struggling okay struggling with all All my energy—is that what it says? No, that's what we mess up. That's what we mess up. Struggling with all my energy, you do. You struggle with all your energy, and it's not enough. Is it? It is not enough. You will work until your body gives out and you fall face down feeling like a failure for this I told struggling with all his energy how do you toil how do you toil do you toil with your energy or do you toil with his because his will not run dry for you when you toil with your own energy you tend to not be doing your ministry yeah it will lose love it will lose love it will lose it will lose passion it will lose steam it will lose everything sometimes sometimes we need as as laborers within the church sometimes we need to be reminded by scripture by scripture why it is that we toil and how it is that we toil, and by by what power we toil, because mine will not be sufficient. Okay? But he says, For this I toil. I imagine, I imagine, because he's a this is a man who's had much experience in this. Do you reckon that there was a time that he labored and toiled by his own energy? Do you think that the wording that he used here just slipped by him that the holy spirit was like i'm gonna get it right even though you right or do you think that he considered there was a time that i was doing this by my own energy and i know exactly what that feels like but thanks be to god that god does for him the same thing he does for us is that he brings to us his word in truth and reproves us that he Powerfully works within me. That's what he says here. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So, um, first, um, it should be a thing that we labor and toil for one another's spiritual well being. When we find ourselves exhausted by that labor, let us be reminded that it is in him and him alone that we will find our strength it is in him and him alone that we will find him working powerfully within you like he's like you realize that he was working powerfully in Paul right you realize that this can be said of you he works Powerfully within you. He does. And this is how prayer can be effective. This is how witness can be effective. This is how fellowship with one another can be effective. Is He working within us? Is He working within us? Is He working within you um, as you minister to this uh, local body of believers here? Um, I pray that He's working within me. I consider it. I can. Cons- I consider it. Like, do I stand up here by my own, right? Because I can work hard, guys. I can. <laughs> like, I can. I can get on a grind like you don't even know. And I can end up at the end of me if I'm not careful. Let us find ourselves laboring for Him and Him laboring within us until He calls us home. We'll pick up there next week.